Tom Shaw, uh, noted actor and Broadway fight guy, Christopher Plummer just died this weekend. And uh, amongst his many great achievements, he was also in a production of the Scottish play yeah. with, with Glenda Jackson and you. Can you tell us the, your story of your interaction with the great Christopher Plummer? Oh, wow. Well, um, so this would have been uh, 1988. Um, and they had this great concept to do this production with Christopher Plummer and Glenda Jackson playing himself and herself. And uh, the whole idea behind the production was it was going to rehearse in New York and then tour. It was one of the last productions, I think, to do this, to do like an out-of-town tour before arriving in town. And it was a tour, I think, was five cities. And then we were going to arrive triumphant on Broadway and uh, and have a run of, I think it was a limited run of of three months or something like that on Broadway. It turned out to be a kind of a disaster. What excellent production of the Scottish <laughs> play isn't in some way? Well, this is this is extraordinarily so. Um, uh, through the arc of this out of town uh, rehearsals and out of town and everything like that, we went through three directors, five Macduffs, um, uh, two sets, two complete sets of costumes. It was just it was just an utter mess from the beginning. But um, in the words of William Shakespeare, it was a fuster cluck. <laughs> it was a fuster cluck indeed. So um, so we started rehearsal, and actually, I, I don't think we ever talked about this before. I um, uh, I was the, I was the fight captain, and somebody else was was fight directing it at the time. That's true. We went through two fight directors as well. <laughs> um, somebody else was fight directing it at the time. I was a fight captain, and because of scheduling and things, um, the fight director wasn't available um, pre-rehearsals uh, and for the early rehearsals. So I would um, go out to Christopher Plummer's house in Connecticut, and we would um, sword fight with broadswords and talk about the play a little bit and, and, and talk about how the, how the fights could be, you know, how he sees the fights and how they conceived and everything like that. And that was very interesting. Um, you know, was that fun? Stuff. That sounds like it, enormous fun. It was fun, and of course, I was I was very nervous the whole time because, of course, this is Christopher Plummer, right? So I was trying so hard not to step on myself that I think I was probably it sounded like a complete idiot as we had conversation. But the one thing I remember about that was he had um, a golden retriever. And the golden retriever, when we would sit and talk, would sit sort of at it, lie down at his feet. And occasionally, as he would dip into the script and read, he sort of intone parts of monologues and things like that. As we were talking about the fight, the dog would go. Rrr, 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 rrr. That's with his with his rolling, deep baritone voice. The dog would answer. He go shut up, and then keep going. And the dog would go. Rrr, rrr, rrr. He'd say shut up. It was very charming. Please tell me the dog's name was Spot. Oh, I have no idea. I, 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 <laughs> let's say for, for the sake of this podcast that the dog's name was Spot. So then uh, you came into town. You come into town. We come into town. We're rehearsing in town. Uh, and our first uh, uh, Macduff doesn't even make it through rehearsal. The concept of the production was this very small protean cast playing multiple roles, which really meant, you know, a cheap production. So right, not to hire so many people, but it was there were so few of us. You know, we'd get to the uh, the uh, banquet scene where, where where Banquo's ghost shows up, and I remember the first time we were rehearsing that and sort of staging it. Glenda Jackson looked around and said, "This looks like tea, not like a banquet." Because there were like 
five of us on stage. It was just so thin. In addition to all this craziness, blocking was being changed. Oh my God. Oh my God. So, uh, so uh, production number one, which we rehearsed in New York, opened in, I think, Stanford, Connecticut. And immediately upon opening in Stanford, Connecticut, it was kind of a disaster. And they fired that director and they hired another director. And they hired, I think, six more guys to sort of fill out the cast. And it was full of like sweaty bodies and, you know, holding torches kind of thing was this production. So we continued to perform production number one at night. And during the day, we rehearsed production number two. It was insane. And then um, uh, that production opened, really opened in Toronto, uh, included uh, what was a clever idea. I was one. I was a murderer. So uh, this in 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 Shakespeare in um, Macbeth, the uh, the scene of the murder of Banquo and the escape of his son happens right before the banquet scene. So Robin Phillips had this actually very clever idea that as the murder starts, uh, that basically uh, you know Banquo is holding a torch. The torch falls down. The lights go out. So the theater is completely dark, and you hear the murder happen. And at the end of the murder, the the, you know, the, uh, the murderers talk to each other, and one of them does say, who did strike out the light? So it's like, oh, there it is. And during that blackout, while the murder is happening, and the, the murderers are talking to each other, there's a complete set change, and all the cast comes on stage. So suddenly the lights bang up, and from an empty stage with just the murderers and the dead banquo, you have a huge banquet in mid-progress. So it's a big sort of a little coup de théâtre. And... Um, so Robin Phillips staged this and we rehearsed it and everything like that. And so now the turnaround happens, I seem to recall in Toronto and we do, they don't budget like, you know, two weeks to rehearse the new production and tech the new production. We do it in a ridiculously short amount of time. And so all the block exchange, it's a new set. So first time we're working really on the actual new set, blocking the whole thing, changing light cues, new costumes, everything like that jam it into, I can't remember how many days, but it was a matter of just a few days before we started in Toronto. Was, I guess we had three previews and then technically open. And um, so I'm playing the murderer and the lights go out. Who did strike out the light? Oh, Fleance has escaped, Fleance has escaped. And we all kind of go off the stage. And uh, my job was to exit the stage, grab a big candle tree, come back on stage, put it down, then turn and leave. And that was my little part of the set change going into this new thing. Boom, lights come up, uh, things going on. What I didn't know is Plumber would stand off stage and these are the things that you never think about because they just sort of organically happen. He apparently would follow me on with the candle tree. I'd put the candle tree down, turn, and that's where he would want to be for the beginning of the scene next to this candle tree. So the the evening of the afternoon of the first performance of this new production, Robin Phillips comes in, calls the whole company. It's like three o'clock. And he says, there's some things I want to change. He says, among other things, the voices in the murder scene don't seem to be coming from the right place. So I want to restage that in the dark, which will mean your exits will be different. So uh, he restages it. And Plummer is resting up. He's had, at this point, he has like a torn cartilage in his knee. So they're being very careful of his time and everything like that. Um, so somehow this information never gets to him. And that night, I'm doing my new murderer blocking. And I get to the point and I go, who did strike out the light? Plants has escaped, plants has escaped. And we're in the O'Keefe Center in Toronto, which is, which is humongous. 
So the exit is a long exit to get off stage. And I'm thinking, I'm going to be caught with my ass hanging out. The lights are going to come up and the murderer is going to be like in half stride, like frozen. Like, oh, and then go off. So I'm moving. I'm not running, but I'm moving with great efficiency towards the wings in the dark. And I hammer into somebody. This, you know, and I'm like, I see stars. And I hear this <clears throat> very resonant woof. And I think, oh shit. And as I've hit, I felt something kind of give way. Anyway, I continue my exit. I turn around, and of course, I come in in the next scene in the middle of the banquet scene to inform Macbeth that Banquo's dead and Flance has escaped. So I'm standing in the wings waiting for my entrance. And I, I'm standing in the wings that night going, holy shit, I think I just broke his nose. It had to have been Plummer, that voice. The, and the lights come up, and there's Plummer. And he starts doing the scene. And I think there's no blood on his face. There's no broken nose. There's no one. I think, who else did I hit? So my, my entrance is coming up. I get my cue. I come on stage. And I sort of I sort of lurk a little bit and he catches my I catch his eye and he comes over to me, he says a couple of lines and comes over to me. And he says his line to me is there's blood on thy face. And he says, There's blood on thy face. And I realize he's got no front tooth. And I have I have run into him in the dark and I've knocked out his front tooth. So he does the whole scene without a front tooth. And that's where we take our intermission at the end of the uh, uh, banquet scene. So uh, I finish my murderer thing, and of course I'm like I'm like sweating. There's a moment when I see that tooth where I'm like I can't say my next line. I'm like, uh, 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 and then I get back into it. Uh, I exit that scene. I think uh, if I get to the dressing room and change and leave, they won't realize I'm gone until I'm at the hotel. I can pack my stuff at the hotel. They won't realize I'm at the hotel before I'm at the train station. They won't re and I can just get out because I am so screwed. Uh, but yeah, you know, I screw my courage to the. I guess that's yeah, sticking place. And um, the intermission comes, the end of the scene comes, and the scene ends with him sitting distraught on this you know bench, and herself, Lady M, striding off stage as the curtain drops. And I sprint out, uh, you know, onto the stage as soon as the curtain hits, and go, Chris, are you okay? And he opens up his hands. And there's his tooth. And he said, yes, some fucking asshole ran into me in the dark. And I, you know, it's going to come out. So I say, Chris, that fucking asshole was me. You know, they reblocked the, they reblocked the scene. In, in... Was he magnanimous? Was he called he, for, your, for he, your dismissal? No, he was, he was surprisingly magnanimous about it to me. Of course, the stage manager hadn't gotten him the information that the scene had been changed. So he apparently went and like had the stage manager chewed out. He didn't, the stage manager wasn't fired. He was too integral, but he chewed out the stage manager for it. But I got away relatively free. That was kind of the end of it. I didn't get fired, which I thought I was going to. Wow. He seems like he survived because he went on to win an Oscar. And he, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he had a career afterwards. Yeah. Even, no matter how hard I tried to end it, he didn't have a career <laughs> afterwards. Um, um, Years later, I was doing a show, and um, his his uh, memoir had come out. Uh, what was it called? Um, in spite of myself, I think it was called. And this would have been in like the mid late two thousands. And, the, and the, the working title was "In Spite of Tom Shaw." In spite of Tom Shaw. <laughs> so uh, I was in the dressing room, sharing a dressing room with somebody who was reading that memoir, and 
you know, I at some point this issue of the Scottish play had come up. Um, and he said, he, he looked, you know, he sort of was leafing idly back to the um, table of contents to see it. He said, oh, there's a chapter here on this Macbeth. I went, oh, shit, no. And he just, he had a, he had a, an entrance. He put the book down. He went to his entrance. So I grabbed the book and I started digging through this chapter on Macbeth. And I was like, oh, what's, what's going to happen? He mentions the episode and he says it was some stagehand that ran into him in the dark. And I was both relieved and insulted. I was like, oh, thank God he didn't. But wait a minute. That was me. Has he no respect? And it was the following summer, I believe, how Christopher Plummer makes his way into the Reduce Shakespeare Company history. Because oh. <laughs> the following summer, you and I worked together in a production of Cyrano de Bergerac, yes, which I directed, yes. and you were the fight captain for, and also uh, de Guiche. Comte yes, de Guiche. You, were, you were foolish enough not to cast me as Cyrano. Yes, no, mm -hmm. and it's a, it's a mistake I continue to regret. <laughs> um, but uh, you came into rehearsal um, doing your best plumber. You were, you oh, were, yes. You were <clears throat> calling everybody uh, Tony. Uh, darling, darling, Tony, uh, Tony, darling. darling. Uh, yeah, he was, you know, he, I'm so, looking back on it now, it's so complicated because he was kind of grand, you know, sort of the old school grandness. And he was, he was, he certainly had a certain vanity about him, but he was also just so immensely charming. Well, I mean, you see it in his movies. He's got this amazing charm. Yeah. This production of the Scottish play was so awful all the way around. And certainly Plummer and Jackson had zero chemistry, but his soliloquies were like, I remember thinking, oh. Oh, I see. Oh, that's how you do it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. But yes, but he had a certain grand style about him and he wasn't always, you know, spot on with people's names. Well, and I love the fact that he, he, he comes, I guess he must have known that about himself. So why bother? You know, <laughs> why bother learning people's names? If he thinks you're uh, a stagehand, it doesn't matter what your name uh, is. Yeah, it's true. It might as well be Tony, Tony. And so, uh, Tony. you know making that as the signature um, uh, uh, a character choice for my character of the grand <laughs> diva actor and completely Hollywood abridged <laughs> means that Christopher Plummer's legacy, no matter it where on. it lives in the rest of the world, lives, lives on, on in the Reduce Shakespeare Company. A few years later, um, he did a King Lear at uh, Lincoln Center Theater and I got an audition for it. And I thought, oh, am I getting the audition because he remembers? I doubt that. Um, and, uh, anyway, I was very nervous going into the audition because this was the man and maybe he was going to try to knock my own tooth out. Um, but, um, I went to the audition and the casting director, you know, we had our little chat beforehand and he was there as the star looking at people as well as the director was looking. And, uh, the casting director said, Oh, Tom was in that Macbeth with you. And he just went, Oh God. So that was a terrible experience, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. And I said, yeah, he had no memory. Thank God. Of the, oh, you were the one. You were the little shit who kicked my front tooth out. By the way, the newspapers also uh, uh, ran a whole uh, series of articles when this show was out, out of town. And the articles became um, all about what a disaster this production was. And the newspapers also mentioned this this event of the tooth being knocked out and mentioned me by name. And for a few years after that, people would, uh, actors I knew would either say, uh, the rumor was out that I had hit him in the mouth with a sword. It was a big accident. Or that I had, this was the one that charmed me. I had had enough and I punched him. Oh my God. So so I was, I was 
briefly famous as falsely for having punched Christopher Plummer. <laughs> uh, they should instead of the po show poster, they should just put your headshot up at Joe Allen's. <laughs> yes, with a number underneath it, one in full front and one in profile. <laughs> oh my God! Uh, yeah, well, um, but but the lasting legacy is, of course, the grand actor who, who you you so so wonderfully personified. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. I listen. I for this on this on this sad weekend, I I mm -hmm. want to thank you for sharing your stories with us, um, uh, Tony. Well, Tony, darling, uh, you are plumber, plumber, my dear. This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company, reducing expectations since 1981. Go to reduce for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less.